You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. If you're listening by radio, God bless you. So glad that you could tune in. So glad that you could be a part. If you ever make it to Northwest Missouri, look up Passion Church in Cameron, Missouri. We would love to have you to come visit and be a part with us. And thank you for listening to us and supporting the WOTG network. God bless you. Luke. I'm trying to remember why I had you turn here. Okay, yeah, I remember. Luke, the 15th chapter. Look with me. Jesus is sharing parable. And in the eighth verse, he says this. I'm going to read out the, the Amplified, which is a little wordier than the King James. He's talking to tax collectors. He's been eating with sinners. Because he's been eating with sinners, the church is upset with him. The church doesn't like him hanging around with what they term outsiders. So Jesus begins to teach them the value of who they call an outsider. Each one equal to a day's wage, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and look carefully and diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she summons her women friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the silver coin which I had lost." Has anyone ever lost money? Aren't you excited when you find it? You ever lost your car keys, ran around the house? How many have been like pastor? You lost your glasses? And you're all over, can't find your phone. Now that's a big panic anymore. That didn't used to be such a big thing when you, because your phone was attached to the wall. If you lost your phone, you lost your home, all right? But uh, nowadays... This phone thing is very, very important. Excuse me, I'm a little bit distracted. I'm pulling up my, some other scripture I want to read out of a different version. Uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter, if you want to turn there. We're going to be there in just a moment. A couple of weeks ago, by the way, last week, Austin preached and did a fabulous job. And I was, I was watching from a hotel room in Branson and... And shouting, and the neighbors was probably upset with me, but I was shouting, going, that's my boy, and he's preaching the gospel. And he was laying it down, and he'd done a fabulous job. Uh, one, more, one more thank you while we're at it. I want to say thank you to Steve and Nancy Holland for coming and helping us with the band today. Uh, I know we're friends and family, and you've been here so many times. You're just part of us, but we borrowed them from uh, Pastor Gerald's today. And so, so glad to have you here today and have you to be a part of us. Now... Um, a couple weeks ago, I preached a message about jump the broom. How many remember that message? I preached a message about jump the broom because we are in a, uh, a time when the church is in a place of confusion. And I won't go long and I won't go far back, but 
Jumping the broom was something that was done in uh, the time of slavery here in America when uh, slaves who could not legally get married, and most of them probably didn't even read or write, uh, and were not legally allowed to marry, and it was a travesty. But they had a way of working out their marriage covenant to make it official. And they came up with something called jumping the broom. And so they would throw the broom on the ground. And after they had made their vows to one another and unto God to live as husband and wife, the couple would jump the broom. And when they jumped the broom, it, it represented the fact that they were leaving their past and their past life and their past singleness behind and jumping together in unison and unity into their new life moving forward, leaving the past behind, moving forward with God in the new adventures that God had for them. It meant covenant. It was the cutting of a contract. It was a chance for them to, to make it known not only to themselves but to the world we have made a decision for a lifetime. We have made a decision that counts. We have made a decision that cannot be reversed. Uh, last time uh, I preached this, I shared with you that in the jumping of the broom came five commitments. And if we're serious in a relationship, these five, these five commitments must happen. Number one, submission. We must be submitted to God and to delegated authority, to, the, to his teaching and to his word, but we must be submitted one to another. I won't go a whole lot further than that, but the ladies, you have the worst part of that contract in that you also have to be submitted uh, in order, in the God's order, in pecking order, to God, to your husband, and then to each other. The second uh, area of commitment was commitment. You must attach yourself, stay loyal, and marry yourself to the process. In that covenant came, the, came separation. You must come out from among your past, draw a clear line of demarcation, say, I will do this, I will do this, I won't do that. I'll go forward, I'll not go back. The fourth thing that we talked about was in, in, the, in the covenant contract was unity. We must join each other and become one in the marriage ceremony, and the same in the body of Christ, we must join Jesus, uh, Father, Spirit, and Son, and join all the others that are in the body and become fitly joined together. We must join them in heart, mind, and spirit. We must get on the same page. We must move in the same direction. We must be a body. We must be a team. We must be a movement. And then number five, the fifth thing that we talked about was servanthood, how to follow Christ in the act of humility, to serve others in true humility, and to learn to love beyond yourself, to, to lend, to give, to help, to pray, to feed, to house, to clothe, to build, to repair, to listen, to offer counsel, and to be there strong in the word. Revival needs the same commitments from us in the body of Christ, submission, commitment, separation, servanthood, and unity. These all work hand in hand for the greater good and the greater common of where God wants to take us. When we got through with the message last time, and I know uh, it was powerful, and you're just getting a little recap, not quite as powerful hearing it the second time around. 
but the first time around, many of you voluntarily, when that service is over, I didn't ask for you to, and I'm not sure any of it made it on uh, camera, those of you who are watching by streaming, but many of the people in our congregation got up and came up here and voluntarily jumped across the broom to signify to Cameron, Missouri, to Passion Church, to Pastor, to all of us that we're in this thing. We are going for God. And we must jump the broom with God in order to be his bride. I spelled out in that, that message for you what the bride of Christ looks like. She's separated. She's set apart. She's adorned. And she's pure. And she's right. And she's holy. And not too many people like this kind of preaching anymore. No one wants to hear about holiness. We only want to hear about grace. Today I'm going to wreck all that for just a moment. If I can, that doesn't nullify God's grace, but I'm going to wreck a few things this morning for you, if I can, for just a moment. Last week when I was talking about, or the last time I was here and talking about jumping the broom, I may have got these messages in reverse order. I don't know. But one thing I mentioned is that in the Old Testament, when it speaks of a broom, and I went through all that, the broom tree and all of that stuff, you'll have to reference back. But in the Old Testament, when a broom is used and the sweeping action is happening in the Old Testament, it is a sign of God bringing judgment. In the New Testament, the sweeping of the broom is one of two things. Finding that valuable thing that has been lost Or deliverance. How many heard about the demons that ran down the hill, got into the pigs, ran down, swept over the hill? Come on. Come on. Come on. Today I want to share with you the broom and the sweeping. Uh, if I was going to give it a title, I would probably say the broom sweeps in both directions. We're living in the New Testament generation. We're living in the time of the Gentiles, but we're living in a very crucial time of the time of the Gentiles. The church from the time of Jesus Christ until today has gone through many changes and many sweeping reforms, and things have changed through the ages, but one thing hasn't changed, and that is the nature and the character of man. Man left on his own will become depraved. And another thing that hasn't changed is the fact that the enemy comes to fight us on every hand. He's not stopped trying to talk man out of what God has purchased for him. In fact, he's constantly trying to talk us out of the goodness of God and out of the truth of God so that we will place ourselves into a position where, where God's not being exalted. God's name is being, being lost in society. We're living in a time and a day and an age when I think you would agree with me that the presence of God is being lost as a whole in our society. Who would say amen to that? Matthew, the 24th chapter, the first verse, and Jesus was leaving the temple courts. His disciples came to him and pointed out the beautiful aspect of the architecture of the temple structures. And Jesus turned to them and said, take a good look at all these things, for I am telling you, there will not be one stone left upon another. It will be leveled. 
That is judgment. And Jesus is speaking about reform in the body of believers. He says, get a good look at this, boys, because what you're upholding and thinking is so wonderful, God is about to throw down. What you've gotten used to and comfortable with and hold all your pride in is the very thing that God is about to take down because it needs a reform. It has lost its first love. It has lost its reason. It has lost its purpose. It no longer takes the broom and sweeps and looks for those things that are valuable, but it just sits behind its walls and gloats over its perfections, and the time of judgment is coming upon those who have lost their love for others. So, we've become comfortable in the church in sweeping in one direction. In the Old Testament, it was all about judgment, 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 and the sweeping was always about judgment. I could go on and I could read a whole lot more things In this, Jesus is telling us what the world is going to look like. He says, nations will go to war with each other, kingdom against kingdom. There will be terrible earthquakes and seismic events of epic proportions and horrible epidemics and famine in places, uh, place after place. Uh, This is how the first contractions and birth pangs of the new age will begin. And it just keeps coming and coming. He's letting us know how many have heard the term new age. That's exactly what the world is looking for. They're longing for. They want to push God out of the way. And usher in a new age. And Jesus is telling us what it's going to look like. He says you can expect to be persecuted. Even killed. You will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away. And they'll betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise. Deceiving multitudes. And leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness. That those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others. Will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will arrive. God's not through with the church yet. In the day Jesus came to deliver to the church of his day the sweeping reforms of come back to your first love, come back to God. If you don't, judgment will come. We've spent all of our time in the last few years just sweeping everything in the direction of God's grace. And I love God's grace. I, I'm thankful for God's grace. For it is uh, through grace by faith that I am saved. And I thank God for his grace. But we keep sweeping in the direction of grace, not understanding that the way that the world is going and the way that the church is going, God is about to pick up the broom and start sweeping the other direction. And so we're, we're in a place where we've watered down the message until we've got it so filled with grace that anything goes and everything goes. And God is saying, no, 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 a thousand times no. It is time to get committed to this thing. It is time to jump the broom. It is 
time to get on God's side. Who is on the Lord's side? I hear that reverberating in my spirit right here, right now, at this very moment. I hear God calling the challenge. Which direction are we going to sweep the broom? Are we going to just continue to only go one direction and water down the message? Or are we going to preach the whole gospel? Because the broom goes in more than one direction. It goes in more than one way. We've got to uphold the truth. There's a world that's dying and being deceived on every corner. And they need the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and be the church of Jesus Christ in this last moment. Mm. Whew. Leave me alone. I'm trying to have fun. Mm. So we've been so long sweeping everything into the direction of grace that we ignore judgment. And our off-balance approach is only half clean, ladies and gentlemen. Truth, the truth is that truth will bring judgment as well as salvation. The church has lost its fear of God. We only see him as a tender, nurturing, accepting Winking at our defiance as though we are a stumbling little toddler. And we're so stunned when the hand of the Lord cuffs us on the seat of the pants in correction that we just don't know what to do with God in the house of God anymore. We just want you to make it fun. Hand, hand me my, my electronic device so I can have fun and get lost in the world on my own. Give me, give me something to play with. Let me play around. But God is in a place right now that it's so, so strong in my heart that there is no more time for us to play. God wants us uh, to preach the unsearchable riches of his truth. Uh, he wants us to preach it in balance. Uh, he wants us to preach it in righteousness. He wants us to preach it in holiness. It isn't just about salvation. It's about holiness and righteousness and purity. We are held to the standard of God. He's not coming back for a harlot. He's coming back for a bride. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament has used many forms to bring judgment. And most of the time they come in natural disasters. But when natural disasters happen in America now, I used to watch as the church would go, the church would rise and go, well, it looks like God is judging us for this and we need to get to it. Do you understand I, I, the Holy Spirit speaking so much to me right now that I haven't had time to even research or do. But here's what the Holy Spirit's telling me. What we have forgotten as the church is God doesn't speak to a nation unless he speaks to the nation through the church. Look at the Old Testament. When judgment came, it didn't come. At the voice of the king, it came at the voice of the prophet. If the king wouldn't heed the warning, the people suffered. Because how the king went is how the nation went. If the king was corrupt, the nation became corrupt. I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. If the king was corrupt, the nation was corrupt. God is giving America a reprieve right now. 
God is giving us a chance to turn things around, turn the tide, to stand up. God is speaking through his people once again. God is trying to get his people to stand up and be what we're supposed to be so that the nation can get turned around and the nation can get on the right track. I remember last time I preached this, I I shared with you uh, out of Ezekiel, God sought for a man who would stand in the gap uh, and make up the hedge. But that, that, that story ends very sadly because it says God could not find one but I don't want to be in that generation I want to if, if I'm the only one I be, want to be the one that says use me God I'll be on your side I'll jump the broom I'll get in this with you I'll go all the way I don't care what it costs me I don't care what how much it hurts I'm going to tell the truth I don't care how many people don't show up I don't care how many people uh, walk away I don't care how mad people get how much persecution comes I'm going to stand in this pulpit and I'm going to tell the truth until there's no breath left in these lungs and I go to meet my maker. I'm going to keep telling the truth. You cannot live like a harlot. You must be a bride. I didn't intend to go there, but I did. The Old Testament showed so many ways of natural disaster, flood, fire, earthquake, wind, rain, pestilence, and war. These things have always been, and Jesus said, you watch these things. These are the starting of the labor pains. But he says, the generation that sees all these things happening in rapid succession. He goes on in this scripture, and he says, when you see blood moons, and you see eclipses, and you see starry alignment that was the same starry alignment When Jesus came the first time up here in the sky, then you need to look up because redemption draweth nigh. And yet, we've had three years of trying to turn the tide, and we're still as confused as a termite in a wooden yo-yo. Whenever the Twin Tower disaster happened, the the Lord will use the enemies in this form of judgment to show us and to get our attention. When that happened, we all jumped up and waved the stars and stripes, and I'm I'm as red-blooded American as anybody in this room. I love to wave the flag, and I pledge allegiance to, oh, glory. But I want you to understand there's an allegiance that's higher than the allegiance of America. It's unto God. And when that happened, we waved the flag, and we became patriotic. But the church and people flooded into the churches some of the greatest church attendance happened after what we call the disaster of 911, and the church was so taken back and not ready for the influx of people. We weren't there to help, to train, to comfort, to show them the truth, and so they filtered in and they filtered right back out, and nothing changed in our nation. And God is rattling the cage. He's been rattling the cage year after year, natural disaster after natural disaster. President after president has gotten up and made moves. For the first time, we got it right, America. For the first time, we said yes and helped Israel get back what belongs to them. For the first time, we made the right moves. For the first time, we're headed in the right direction. And baby, it's not time to quit, lay back on our laurels. It's time to jump the broom and become the fullness of Christ, become the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. It is time 
time we look like him, act like him, walk like him, talk like him, it is time to fill the house with his presence. It is time that signs and wonders and miracles follow me. I don't got to go chasing them. They'll follow me because I'm following him. Ah, I'm having fun. I don't know how good it is. I've just got to move on. I don't even know if these notes are helping me or not. But as much as we celebrate God's grace, we need to appreciate and heed his judgments and warnings. Luke 6, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Let that sink in, church. We've gotten to that place, Bishop. I I would not want your job. I do not envy you your job. We've gotten to that place where pastors, I don't think so much in the Pentecostal Church of God because everybody I know, they're true blue. But I'm going to tell you something. In the church universal, the church has lost its way. And it is sad. And my heart breaks. I've stood in the streets of St. Joe and watched as people donning the apparel of Christian wear are standing on the side vehemently fighting for unrighteous acts and causes, thinking they're upholding righteousness. A spirit of deception has come into the church because there are no fathers. There are no one, there is no one, it's not good English, but I'm going to say it. There is no one to stand up and say, this is the way of the Lord. This is how it's done. And there's no one to stand up and got backbone enough to correct what's wrong and it needs to be fixed. And so we're, too, we're so busy trying to make our building look fancy. We're so busy trying to make it comfortable. We're so busy trying to have a good rock concert that we don't understand that there's lives at stake here. Souls are going by the wayside. We just want to make sure we got a good, 50, or a good 401k and, and we want to make sure that we've got something that we can retire on and the icicles that are standing behind the pulpit are causing the problems in our world today. It is time the church needs us up shaking. The church needs an uprooting. The church needs to be dealt with. God comes in judgment. In Matthew the 24th chapter, the very first thing he told them is he said that correction starts in the house of God. How did he say it? He said it like this. Look around at these stones. Not a one of them is going to remain because these people aren't willing to repent. And as long as they're not willing to repent, It will come to destruction. But a people whose heart is turned towards me, I'll go looking for. I'll take the broom and I'll sweep the corners and I'll find the soul that'll stand for me. I'll find the one that'll stand up and be the child of the Most High God. I'll sweep out the nooks and the crannies because there's someone of value hiding underneath a bridge somewhere. There's someone of value in a home outside of these walls somewhere who's lost, hurting, dying, in trouble. And they're waiting for, for someone to come along and help sweep away enough debris that they can be found. They're looking for someone who will uphold righteousness and truth and purity. They know they're, they're disenchanted with the church. They've been disenfranchised and they've disenfranchised themselves because they got tired of the hypocrisy of the things that they see when they go to church and the people in the house don't act any better than the world. They don't, they don't walk different. They don't talk different. They don't study the word. They're not in prayer. They're not on their face. They're not crying out. They're not fasting. They're not longing. They don't have a real word. They have a pseudo word and they give them something that tickles their ears instead of the truth they need to build a life upon. Wow. 
I could get kicked off radio. Look at this. Because the broom sweeps in both directions, God, ladies and gentlemen, is still the God of order. And man is the agent of rebellion and chaos. And we have swept the broom in the direction of an over-exaggerated grace so long that we now believe anything goes and God's okay with it. I'm going to say that again just for posterity's sake. I know time is running out. We have swept the broom in the direction of over-exaggerated grace so long that we now believe anything goes and God is okay with it. No! Jesus gave us the social climate of our day in Matthew 24. He let us know what it would be like. Many shall be offended. They'll be lovers of pleasures instead of lovers of God. You can read it over and over throughout the counsel of the word, over and over and over. The temperature of the day in which we live has been given to us. We can tell by looking around and looking at the signs that God is about ready to step out and make his move. But he's not coming back for a harlot. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for one that is clean and pure. He's looking for someone that, that is desiring him. He's looking looking for someone who desires change. He's looking for someone who will live out that change. Someone who will stay in the game, stay in the fight, work to the end. Someone who's not afraid, who won't back down. Hmm. He gave us the social climate of our day. Then he pointed out that both the judgment and the warnings that would be seen as the birth pangs of the arrival of Christ for his true bride, the remnant of truth, are on their way. It is a remnant on the rise, ladies and gentlemen. Those able to apply grace as an escape plan from sinful living. I want to say it again. Those that are able to apply grace as an escape plan from sinful living, not an excuse for sinful living. Not using it as a license for sinful practice. Jesus is returning to judge the open defiance of his truth and his order. He's returning to extract his bride, those who hold his truth in reverential fear, those who honor his words, his statutes, his morality, his honoring servanthood of others. He's coming to use that group of people as though he as those he can trust to help him rule and reign in his kingdom. He knows them. He trusts them. So he sweeps them in the direction of finding the cost. But before he establishes his kingdom here on earth called the millennial reign, he's going to sweep the broom in the direction of judgment. He's coming in war, sweeping away the defiant, sinful, depraved, godless, murdering, perverse inventions of evil. When God cleans house, it will be complete. But when we are who are responsible for the condition of the world and the way that it's become, come in contact with him, one of two things are going to happen. We will stiffen our neck, stiffen our back, and be swelled with pride and not receive his counsel, or we will run into him and 
and allow him to become the love of our life because it is us, church, that are responsible for the condition of the house of God because we've not given them a clear, definable pathway. We've allowed the congregants to tell the church how it should be run and the only orders that come in the house of God are strictly by God himself through the counsel of his word. It is not for us to make the rules. It is for God to make the rules. And when he comes, it is you and I who will give an account. And he's looking for a bride. He's looking for a bride. He's looking for a bride. He's looking for someone worthy to jump the broom with. He's looking for someone he can trust to rule and reign in the millennial reign. He's looking for a people whose heart is with their God and not against him. I didn't know this was going to go this way. My Bible's falling all apart up here. These people that are responsible for the condition of the house will be swept away if they are defiant to God. (laughs) So when God comes to our house, will it be swept and clean with compliance to the truth of his word? Or will he find our house in disarray, undefinable, confused, and sin accepting? The choice is ours. The choice is ours to the condition of our house, corporately and individually. But Jesus is coming to sweep. And which side of the broom will we be on? Will he sweep us in the direction of judgment or will he sweep us into the corner trying to find the thing of value. When he comes, will he find us ready and looking, desiring and hungering and thirsting for him? Will he find revival upon our lips? Will he, revi- will he find a song in our heart? Will he find us a people willing to get out of our comfort zone, to get on our knees and to help and hug and love and somebody else and help them to get to the finish line themselves? Will he find those of us who are willing to serve in children's church? Will he find those of us that are willing to clean the bathrooms? Will he find those of us who are willing to go beyond the walls and talk to somebody about the, 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 the inexhaustible power of God's word? Will he find a people that are hungry? Will he find a people that will build? Will he find a people that will keep moving? Will he find a people that, that will keep the message of Jesus Christ alive and well? Or will he find a house he has to dismantle? And take apart. You folks are the cream of the crop. You're getting this message just solely because the Holy Spirit needs this message to get out. I know your heart. And when you get under passion and you preach up here, sometimes you sound like you're angry. I'm not angry with anyone. I'm with you. I want to encourage you. I want you to understand that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. People have gotten too afraid to preach that there's a hell. There's a hell, ladies and gentlemen. And we got to save people before they go there. And there's a lot of people that think they're okay in the house of God who might very well land there simply because they're not living a righteous, pure, and clean life. They're not, they're not allowing their garments to be cleansed. They're not allowing their life. They go, they, give, they sing the three songs, they hear the sermonette, they shake hands, and they drink the coffee, but that's about as far as it goes. 
God's looking for a different church. God's looking for a people who truly believe. God is looking for a people who have faith and use it. God is looking for a people who have a resolve and they use it. God is looking for a people with a commitment and who use it. A people who can move in unity. A people who can be submitted. A people who aren't full of themselves but full of him. That's who God is looking for. And so I leave it with this today. I don't know about you, but I've already made up my mind. I'm jumping the broom with God. And I've already made up my mind that I want to be on the side of grace when he sweeps. That I'll be brought up. Not the perverted thing that we know of. But when he sweeps, he finds me and he finds value in me. Enough that he would search frantically for me. That's the side of the broom I want to be on. I don't want to be on the self-serving side where judgment comes and dismantles my house, my life, my offering. Father, I thank you for your word today. This didn't go at all the way I thought it was going to go, God, but I thank you and I praise you and I worship you. Father, I said things that I didn't even know I was going to say and probably left things out I should have said. But I thank you, Lord, that you never missed the target with a message. And I thank you, Father, that someone listening today, whether they're listening by streaming or if they're listening by radio today, Father, will hear a truth in what's been said. We'll run into the house of God and allow you, Father, to bring reform and change into their life. Father, we want the all-out sellout. We want to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We want to be the remnant, Father, that is spoken of in the end. We can see by the signs and of the things that Jesus said, it is clearly marked for us that the society around us has been let go and it's the church's fault because you speak through your people. And the word's pretty clear, Father, that there's a remnant who will rise in the last day and they will speak your truth, defying all the odds of society and make known your, your truth and your word. We at Passion Church, Father, want to be that body. We want to be those, Father, who are not afraid to warn the world that judgment's coming. They need to know judgment is on its way. You cannot keep doing what you are doing and get away with it. They need people who are bold enough to stand up and say, this is the way of the Lord. Make straight his path and follow me as I follow him. And we are that generation, God. We're the ones that want to leave a legacy. We're the ones who want to be trustworthy. We're the ones who want to jump the broom with you. We are the ones who want to rule and reign with you. So search my heart, oh God. And if there's something in me that needs to be dealt with, if there's a pride in me that needs to be broken down, if there if there's a rebellion in me that needs to be uprooted, if there's a sin in me that needs to go to the wayside, then, Father, so be it, I'm ready. 
I'm ready right here, right now, Father, to fall into a place of repentance before you. Because I don't want to play with your truth. I want to display your truth. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you that are streaming, you can join us. You're here today. Something I said sparked something in your heart that said, yes. I need to make some change. I need to allow God to make some change in me. If that's you and you're unashamed, would you just signify quickly by the raising of your hand? Just come right back down. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you. That's honest. Thank you. That's honest. Anyone else? I could look at my life and I realize there's something needs to change. There's a few things that I've got to set in order before I quit. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Those of you that are streaming right now, you can raise your hand in your heart. And all over this house, Father, we... We come into the place of repentance, which means turn around. We come with an attitude, Father, saying, turn me around. Turn my heart around. Turn my mind around. Turn me around. I don't want to live the way I've been living. I don't want to be lackadaisical. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be useless, and I don't want to be stuck in a corner. I want to be used, and I want to be usable. And I don't want to play and pander to the side of sin. I want to be able to tell the world the truth and with my hand up my heart turned toward you I'm asking you Jesus forgive me of the sin that so easily besets me forgive me forgive me of the attitudes that have cluttered up my path forgive me for the clutter I've allowed between you and me Forgive me for getting off the path and getting swayed. And receive me again, Father. Sweep my heart with your broom to find the value in me again. Sweep my heart one more time, Lord. And sweep me in the direction of your mercy and your grace and your kindness and your love. And not into judgment. Help me to play my part before it's everlastingly too late. Be my God completely. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.